welcome to the Digital Dark Age. Good afternoon, Bruce. Nice to see you today. Yeah, good afternoon. I mean, you know, it's good right now until we start getting into this Digital Dark Age stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Election time's coming, right? It's it's coming. It's coming soon, right? It's it's we're we're less than hell. We're a week out, aren't we? We're we're really Next a week. week out. Yeah, a week from Tuesday, yeah. right? Yep, week from Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Is it t- no? Yeah. Yeah, it's a week from, oh uh-huh. my God, it's a week from Tuesday. Okay, so yeah. uh, the riots are going to happen uh, a week from Wednesday, right? So yeah. let's uh, let's plan on that. But no, uh, let's start with, um, let's start with social media. You know, social media companies have been very adamant about taking a, a political stance, especially in recent months, right? Last year, especially. Now, those of us that do know what social media companies are all about. We know what they've been about for a good number of years now. The only difference is, is that we were called crazy kooks back then, but now we're not so crazy, are we? But no one is bothering to mentioning the fact, oh, yeah, uh, you guys were right. Uh, sorry for calling you a crazy kook. No, 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 no. Now, see, there's none of that. But that's OK, because I, I don't want any kind of status. I don't want any kind of notoriety. I just want people to see. That's all I want. I just want people to understand what's happening. Now, Twitter, they're in a little bit of a uh, of a quandary because they locked the New York Post's account this last week. I think they're on. Well, they're over a week now, aren't they? Having yeah, their Twitter I think account this locked. Is like day 10 or 11 or something day like 10. that. Now. OK, all right. So they locked the New York Post account. Why did they lock the New York Post account? Because the New York Post decided to report on the Hunter Biden laptop story and the media didn't care for that. So uh, the rest of the media didn't care for that. And the social media companies, obviously, they're in the pocket of not just uh, the Democrat Party. They're in the pocket of international organizations. They don't care. So they could care less about what the United States has to say. They care less about what senators and and congressmen and congresswomen have to say. They don't care. So uh, that's why I kind of laugh at them being dragged in on like these subpoenas and everything, because they don't care. They they don't care. They're going to do whatever it is they're going to do. Twitter's locking the accounts of media, celebrities, and government officials for sharing that Biden story. What makes you think that they're going to stop? So they're locking, they've locked the New York Post account. The New York Post hasn't retracted the story. They're still, they're still holding the account. And now it's a war of attrition, isn't it? Oh, well, um, it is. just, uh, just unlock your, or just take that post down and we'll unlock your account. It's that simple. No, no. Well, I, I'm sorry. You, you have possibly, quite possibly the biggest scandal in U.S. history, political scandal in U.S. history on the verge of being revealed to the American people. And you're telling them to take it down. No. Now, see, if Twitter if Twitter caves, well, then that shows that they're weak, doesn't it? If The New York Post caves, well, then their credibility is on the line, whatever little bit they have left. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a war of attrition in this case. And this pet peeve real quick, but the, the article that's up about the uh, Twitter locking accounts. Uh huh. Um, the first Twitter post that's a, a photograph of the guy's phone uh-huh. right behind the play button is uh-huh. 15,000 emails. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> Paying attention, I was reading down to it. <laughs> I go crazy if I've got a little dot next to my app because I'm I, I have to have it closed. I yeah, same. All right. So Companies are are just locking accounts. They don't care any longer. Now they're showing their true colors. And this is that 
these companies are taking a political stance. Now, these companies were never supposed to take political stances. We gave them Section 230 in the sense that they were going to be a, uh, you know, a platform and you're not going to be responsible for the content that a third party posts. So you won't have to worry about all kinds of moderation. Just you know, take care of the ones that, you know, do the usuals, you know, call for violence and all that stuff, you know, make sure that that's done. But now they've gone a step further with it. And now they're locking accounts based on political stances. If that wasn't bad enough, now they're going to go a step further. You had mentioned they're going to shut down. They're talking about shutting it down before the election completely, right? Like I I had heard that they're going to turn Facebook and Twitter off, like off, off a few days before and sometimes after or, and for some time after the election to <clears throat> stop the uh, the spread of disinformation. Well, if you do that, then you're monopolizing your perception, right? You would you would yep. force people to be tuning into the mainstream media where you're going to get one-sided views. Yeah. And also keep in mind this uh New York Post article that they're blocking, you know, about the laptop, the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, has come out and said no, this this information is genuine. The laptop is genuine. The it is not Russian hackers or Russian information, disinformation, whatever. He said this is real. The information has been given to the FBI twice. It was also given to the Delaware Police Department, one of them down there, and also who was the other one? They they I think Rudy showed it to New York, some detectives there in New York City. And they were the ones that said, yeah, you you have to report this. So it's gone to our law enforcement multiple times over uh, and it hasn't been discredited, but they say it has. So so the uh, the story, which has been met with denials from the Biden campaign, claims that Hunter Biden had introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive in a Ukrainian energy firm a year before Biden pressured the government of Ukraine to fire a prosecutor, a prosecutor who was investigating the company. That was Mr. Shokin, right? Victor Shokin. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, so. I'm leaving in six hours. Um, you uh, you want the billion dollars? I want him fired. OK, well, if uh, or Mr. Vice President, you don't have the authority to do that. Uh, what does what does the president have to say? Well, you call him. Well, son of a. Yeah, <clears throat> he was biscuit. fired. And, yeah, he son of it. a biscuit. He was fired and he got the billion dollars. And and mm-hmm. he put in somebody who was solid. Right. At so, the time. Um, at the time. Right. At the time. So after following Facebook's crackdown, Twitter prevented anyone from sharing the potentially harmful story. Huh. Well, what does Section 230 have to say about this? Is this is is this censoring? Oh, I would say so. I would say so. It says here, I'm looking at the uh, the tweet from it looks like one of the um, Sarab Amari. He's the uh, yeah, so he's one of the editors. He's an ed- yeah, he's an editor of the New York Post. He says uh, this is a big tech information coup. This is a digital civil war. Haven't we been saying that for a long time? Mm-hmm. I, an editor at the New York Post, one of the nation's largest papers by circulation, can't post one of our own stories that details corruption by a major party presidential candidate, Biden. So Twitter responded with the official pop up from the uh, from their or on their smart devices. It says your tweet couldn't be sent because this link has been identified by Twitter or our partners as potentially harmful. Oh, it's harmful. Harmful to who? The partners bit right there is the one, the moderators, the third party they use to to monitor um, tweets and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. See, now they've gone a little bit further with it, though. Now they're locking people's accounts that try to spread that story. So anybody that decides that they're going to put that information out, rather, it's it, it, it's not just relegated to The New York Post, is it? It's anybody now that wants to uh, to start spreading that stuff. So 
where does it stop with this? What does it stop when you seize everyone's accounts? Does it stop when you when you have the, the, the corrupt people in political offices pass laws to go after the people, label the people and go after them for political speech? Is that where it ends? D- does it end when you, you physically go after people and you start dragging them out of their houses because of their political beliefs? Because, I mean, we, we've said it time and again. Can you imagine if this technology that we have now were in the hands of, say, a dictator of the 20th century? Can you imagine? Everything that happened in Nazi Germany with this technology, if this would have been in the hands of the Nazis, everything that happened over the course of 10 years could have happened in 90 days. That's how dangerous this is. Yeah. And this isn't the first time. uh, Obviously, we've been talking about this one uh, as far as COVID, right? If you say anything wrong about COVID, um, and it's not, okay, it's not wrong in the sense of it's not right. It's not accurate. It's wrong as in you're not, you're not towing the line. You're not saying the narrative that they want to, they want out. If you actually, I don't know, talk about the facts and talk about Scott Atlas, for example, um, your your account will be locked until that harmful tweet is removed. No, this is censorship. You you don't have the authority to do that kind of thing. But here we are, right? And there's another group, by the way, that's getting targeted by, uh, they're getting more and more flack for standing up and resisting. It's a Christian community, Jewish community. The, those, those two specifically are being attacked because they're they're standing up and saying, OK, COVID, this this is enough. COVID, uh-uh. we have constitutional rights here. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is that the politicians, I mean, they're, they're, they're done with this. The, the tech companies, they're done with it, too. If I go onto Google Play right now, the Play Store, I'm inundated with COVID-19 stuff. Get your COVID-19 tracking app. Get the uh, get your exposure notifications. Get uh, apps to cu- help cure your boredom. Get apps to increase your creativity. Right. Pick your pick your favorite. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting those. Those are my suggestions. And it's the same thing if I go onto YouTube. If I go onto YouTube, then I get get the latest COVID-19 information verified by the World World Health Organization. That's what I get. So. They're monopolizing your sense of perception. This goes back to what we talked about with um, with Biederman's chart of coercion, if you remember that, when we talked about uh, the psychological trauma of public health, all this stuff that, that goes into this monopolization of perception. It's a form of them controlling the agenda. It's the same thing with tech companies. Tech companies are on board with it. They don't care. Any form of authoritarian crackdown, tech companies will be for. They've shown that to be the case. They're not non-biased. So uh, just real quick, I, I pulled up... Um this kind of fits the bias we're talking about here. I pulled up one of the the Twitter accounts that we were banned, um, James Woods. Uh, I pulled him up, and the first tweet he has, uh-huh. Kamala Harris there uh, talking at a polling location right in front of it, across the street, and she's basically campaigning there in front of the, the polling station. Uh, by the way, that's illegal in the U.S. You get arrested say, for doing something that, like that. That's illegal. Uh, just throwing that out there. That's illegal. Did you hear her latest uh, her latest quote? Biden's not the only one saying it now. She said, we've got over 220 million Americans that have died of COVID. I, I, I was writing it off as Biden, you know, dementia and whatnot, but uh, maybe it's uh, intentional. Hmm. Well, in the midst of all of this uh, tech censorship, right, CEO uh, of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, right? Stand up guy he is, you know, he's uh, he said that uh, he's he's, uh, you know, kind of uh, distancing himself from this. Of course, he's describing his company's response to the story as <clears throat> not great and unacceptable. Uh, his Twitter, his tweet on the matter was our communication around our actions on the New York Post article was not great. And blocking the URL v- uh, sharing via tweet or DM 
with zero context as to why we're blocking it is unacceptable. Well, Jack, they're blocking it because it's political. It goes against what the narrative is is that's being pushed in the mainstream. That's why they're blocking it. I, I wouldn't call that no context. Just uh, I just just kind of had a thought here. Um, you remember the the Trump's uh, tax returns that were just released here recently illegally, might I add. Twitter had no problem with people sharing that on on their platform. And that was illegally acquired. That was hacked material, as they're saying, with this laptop, which, by the way, wasn't hacked. It's a, well, they have the physical laptop and the hard drive. They didn't. It's have the same hack players, it. but it's the same players, though, it, namely Adam Schiff. Right. He's coming out. He's he's the yeah. main guy saying, oh, it's this is a Russian disinformation campaign, blah, blah, blah. He was also the same guy that led the hearings on the Russia gate stuff mm-hmm. and said, oh, we've got it. It's, it's a smoking gun. It's it's locked. It, you know, it's locked up. It's a slam dunk. The the evidence is there. We, we have it. It's coming. We're, we can prove it. We're still waiting on it, Congressman. We're still waiting on it. Several responses to uh, to Dorsey's tweet. He says, uh, let me see. One was uh, Sean Davis says your communication is not the problem. As I said, all right, that's not the problem. The problem is your totalitarian censorship, your election interference, and the fact that you allow genocidal terrorists to threaten Jews while banning elected U.S. officials from sharing American journalism. Did Did you already read Jack's official tweet? I did. Response? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, I've been skimming through the article to keep up with things. Uh, Josh Hawley has also said this is not nearly good enough. Uh, in fact, it's a joke. It's downright insulting. I will ask you and Facebook to give an explanation under oath to the Senate subcommittee I chair. They they don't care, Senator. They don't care. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, the last time he was up there and he was questioned by uh, by uh, Maxine Waters, he was laughing. (laughs) The guy was laughing. He doesn't care. These people don't care. This is what happens when you have out of control companies. The Sherman Antitrust Act was founded to stop companies from becoming monopolistic. And that's what these companies have become. When a company arises and it, it becomes either the sole company or it becomes the only company that allows itself to operate and it gobbles up all the possible competition, what's the difference between that and a monopoly? The problem is, is that the tech companies themselves have become so powerful. And I'm not talking just one or the other here. I'm talking Google, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the, the like, right? The usual suspects, Apple, Samsung, the, the works. These companies have become so powerful that they've essentially become a government entity in and of themselves. Now, it's just one man's opinion, but look at the way that they're behaving. They're now taking political stances, aren't they? So how does that not make them a player in the political realm? Now, my argument to this is, is that where's the regulation? Where, where's the stopping of these companies? There, there isn't a sane government on this planet that would allow a government within a government to form in the form of a business that becomes more powerful than the government itself. And that's exactly what's happening here. That's exactly what's happening. And so these companies have to be stopped. They've got to be seized. They've got to be broken up and they've got to be sold off. I've had it. I've had it with these damn companies. And I know the average person out there has had it too. And you know what? I've always said that it's not going to be... People always laughed at me and said, oh, well, you're not on Facebook. You're not on Twitter. You're not on any of this stuff. No, I'm not on any of that stuff. And I, because I, I learned 10 years ago what it was to be used for. And this is it. This is it. It's here. And I was telling people a decade ago, get off of those platforms now. Get off of them. Stop putting yourself out there. Get off of those things. Now, I understand that there are good aspects to it. We talked about that last week. There are good aspects to it. You have charity. You have business or whatever. I understand. Okay, I I get it. That makes perfect sense. You have a a religious organization, a church group or whatever. You know, you all get together. You all meet on Facebook. You coordinate, run everything through there. Okay, I understand. But not to the point where they're taking political stances 
because this is a step as as to when they actually come after you for taking that political stance. You look at the way the government's moving, it's moving in an authoritative manner and the companies are on board with it. The governments don't care because they give those companies the power and then the governments have access to that power. So they won't fight against it. Exactly. That's how they keep their power. But they the big companies won't care as long as they have 230. As long as they have that article protecting them and they're basically immune to being sued, they don't care. They'll do whatever the hell they want. Congress, uh, they need to grow some cojones and I don't know, revoke their 230 status and allow open it up. Open up for these lawsuits. These major companies will be singing a different tune pretty quick. So they revoke 230. Where does that leave the average um, the average person out there? Like, say, for example, I'm using the average here. OK, like the New York Post. Where does that leave them? So what? That opens the door for them to be sued. Uh, the tech company, Twitter, I mean. Yeah, they could sue. New York Post could sue Twitter, Facebook, you know. Google, whatever, whoever's, if they can prove that those major companies are not, okay, so one of the agreements with with 230 is you have to, whatever your rules are, you have to apply those rules equally uh, to everyone. If you can prove that they're not equally, uh, you know, applying these rules, which New York Post, they have an excellent case. I mean, it's it's open and shut. Like the thing is, I, I don't see any way that that they would lose that case, even with a crappy lawyer. But because of two thirty, nothing. They they can't do anything. They're they're basically it, it's a government. The government saying you're immune to being sued, any lawsuits or anything. So, but if we remove that, that means New York Post. It, technically, anybody that posted the New York Post's article, technically they could sue as well. Or if you're um, a religious group or you know, any organization that's been throttled by by Twitter or even Facebook because of something they've said or or done on on their platform that doesn't violate the rules, but violates their political ethics, you know, then, yeah, you would you could open it up to lawsuit. And I'm sure there's quite a few conservatives that are pretty pissed at this going on right now. I know there's a few on the left, but some of the radicals on the left are um, they're all on board. They think this rhetoric is dangerous and that we're the ones out there rioting and destroying everything. Wait, you mean those are not uh, radical Trump supporters that are out there smashing out businesses and burning them to the ground and, and looting? That That's not what's happening? Well, I mean, I would challenge the listener to list one riot that's happened within the last 20 years that was right-leaning, small government, Second Amendment types. Show me the recent riot that they've burned down cities, stole, looted, you know, went in and looted stores and all that kind of stuff. Good luck. I'll tell you what. Yeah, good luck finding that one. Speaking of breaking the law, right, let's jump off of, uh, let's jump off of tech. Uh, well, big tech. Let's go to robot judges, right? Robots are, are here. We talked about automation. We, we know automation is here. Robot judges that determine guilt or innocence will be commonplace in 50 years. I, I would argue it's, it's going to be sooner than that. Well, the good news is, is that you're not going to have lousy, stinking judges in there uh, that rule over you on precedent and all that stuff. You're not going to have that. But the bad news is, is that they're going to rule on social credit. (laughs) That's going to be even worse. So there's a good side to it, but there's a far worse side to it. So leading artificial scientist uh, Terrence Morey said the UK could adopt robot judges within 50 years to identify behavioral patterns signaling wrongdoing or probable falsehoods. Again, this is the predictive algorithm that's going to be used under social credit, right? 
That's what it's going to be. Robot judges that can determine guilt or innocence will be commonplace in the English legal system within 50 years. I'd, I'd argue it's going to be a lot sooner than that. May, okay, maybe long term, may, maybe maybe 50 years once they get it perfected and, and finely tuned and all that stuff. I mean, we're in the birth age of AI. We're not quite there yet. So, I mean, it's it's a race to, to get there. I mean, you've talked about it before, about all these different companies that are on board to try and get there as quickly as possible. I think that robot judges will be there, but they need to get the AI system fine-tuned a little more. Same thing with social credit. Social credit will come at some point if it's not stopped now. If it's not stopped in its infancy, then it will come. But that's all going to depend on AI. Everything with social credit hinges on AI. Same thing with robot judges. Everything's going to depend on this. So scientists say the bots will be able to conclude whether someone is guilty or innocent within a 99% accuracy rate by analyzing body language. One believes the physical and psychological signs of dishonesty will be identified using an array of cameras. Well, you could argue a polygraph, right? The box, as it's more commonly known as on the inside. So you, you can argue that, but that's not admissible because you can beat the box, right? I mean, it's, it, people are we train people to beat that box. How is this any different? You, I mean, the you box can, only works if you believe it works. <laughs> the, you know what the box is, honestly? You, you know what it is? It's leverage. That, that's what it is. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. So it goes whichever way you need it to go in order to, to lean on the person you need to lean on. That's all it is. So... The signs that that will signal wrongdoing or probable falsehoods could include irregular speech patterns. Well, that could just be someone being nervous. An increase in body temperature. Already getting used to temperature checks, aren't you? And hand-eye movements. You ever wonder what social distancing is about? You think it's about stopping the spread of a virus? Think about that. Data collected from the robots will then be used, uh, excuse me, will then be analyzed using AI to build an almost error-free and unbiased picture of whether a defendant or witness is telling the truth. Within 50 years, the bots could replace human judges and become commonplace in, excuse me, and become a common feature in criminal and civil hearings in England and in Wales. They're going to put them in everywhere. It's not going to just be those places. It's going to work. This, this is going to be the same as the box, because as long as you know that you can beat the system, as long as you could believe you can beat the system, you can completely change your body language, your mannerisms, the facial expressions, all that stuff. You can completely change it and throw the AI off. Or how about, uh, I don't know, face tattoos, those kind of things? That confuses facial recognition systems. Do you think it's not going to confuse these bots? I mean, there's going to be ways to beat the system. Once you make make a product, uh, for example, software, when you make that software more widely distributed, it's going to be more widely hacked. People are going to find the the holes in it, right? Same thing with this. If they start using this more often, you'll beat the system. You'll figure out how to beat the system. And, you know, yeah, it might generally work on the general populace, but you're going to have the slick criminals that are going to go through there and understand what's going on and how it works. And they'll they'll be able to skate right through. So you, you can't remove the human element in this, in my opinion. There, there's just a, there's something about... There's just something about humans and I, I don't know, you call it intuition or whatever you want. There's something you can't program into a robot to sense things that human beings can sense. Call it a sixth sense, call it whatever. You get that feeling when you you see somebody and it's like, man, they don't, something's wrong about that person. You know, there's something there that's going on behind the scenes. Personally, anecdotally, I've done that many times in my life, friends, family members, whatever. There's always been, not always. You, you would find something that was kind of like something's off here. There's nothing that 
tips you off to it. It's not that they're doing anything wrong. It's just you you, you look at them in their eye or you, you talk with them or whatever. And it's just like, and then come to find out uh, later on, you find out things are going on in their life that um, you wouldn't what have would otherwise you, known. Okay. What would one of these judges think about Adam Schiff? All right. Let's put the shoe on the other foot here. Okay. Adam <laughs> Schiff in his eyes. Right. Okay. If it can read eye behavior, right? If it can read facial expressions, well, uh, that man's guilty of sin, <laughs> right? What, what it, the other the other question I have about this is who's who's going to be the one uh, creating the algorithm? Because uh, everything you do, a part of you is put into what you're doing, right? So if you're programming, part of you is going to transfer off into the to to the software. So if you're a liberal, for example, and you think conservatives are evil, well, it's going to have that slant, uh, and vice versa. So who's going to be program, uh, programming this? Who's going to be going over the data, ensuring that the uh, robot is unbiased? Well, to be honest with you, Bruce, I mean, I, I look at the country that's already starting to use these. And to be honest with you, I can't see how there's any bias in it already. In China, AI, ju- AI judges have been dealing with online trade disputes, copyright cases and e-commerce product liability claims since 2017. So see, it's a perfected technology that we will get. You, you see how that works? What have we said about social credit? It was in the beta stage in China. They're bringing it to alpha here in the West. The elites that sold the West out built up the authoritarian system in China under the guise of this, this high tech tyranny, right? That's why they call them technocrats. It's a technocracy that they're building. Same thing with these tech companies. They beta tested in China because you have a corrupt government that will enforce that way of life on their people. They buy everything else up around the world. Everyone here in the West exports their jobs, exports our manufacturing. We become the new slave class. That's what this is about. The elites that sold us out got in bed with the Chicoms, who are now double and even triple crossing it. You notice that? You can see the dirty games being played out in the open now. So they used China to build the authoritative system back in 49, starting in 49, working its way up little by little by little. They use that as a platform to springboard themselves into the future over the West. That's why we're on the decline and they're on the upswing. It's not because they innovated. It's not because they they took uh, their, their great know-how and, and their uh, sense of uh, uh, superior capitalism. No, 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 no. See, China uses something called stakeholder capitalism. Where are we hearing that now? See, in the in the West, we have something called shareholder capitalism. You can own your business. People can buy into your business. You can sell your business. It's not how it works there. Not in China. Stakeholder capitalism. See, that's another way of them saying, well, it's going to be dictatorial capitalism. You're still going to have your business if you want one, but you're going to do business the way the state tells you to do business. Whatever they tell you to manufacture, you're going to manufacture. Whatever they tell you to to do with regulations, you're going to have to abide by those regulations or you don't operate. That's not free market. That's not innovation. You could argue that's already here. Yeah, it's already here. But to an extent, I mean, you still have a little somewhat of a free hand, somewhat. They dance on the line. They don't cross it, if that makes any sense. But they're looking to take that line and just completely wipe it out and start over. That's what the Great Reset's all about. Anyway, uh, anything else on robot judges? Nah, I've just I can't see them being unbiased. There's still a human element because the human did the programming. And honestly, it's going to it's going to side with uh, whoever the ruling power is. So if you're if you're accused of, as you were saying, um, you know, with the social credit system, if you're accused of something and the government says, 
well, you know, we, we need to make an example of this person. When it's AI, you're not going to have any kind of pushback from a human saying, no, we have to we have to abide by the law. Instead, you're going to get a yes man and he'll he'll do exactly as you say. So eliminating the human element in this is very dangerous when you're looking at this. There's no check and balance. How do I know that that AI judge is um, functioning properly? You know, how do I know it's not someone pushing buttons behind the curtain? Uh, Speaking of robotics, you had something on robotics. Yeah, as far as it related to the economy. Yeah. So apparently uh, robotics are um, they're looking to replace close to 800 million jobs around the world. They can bring it in for things like manufacturing, uh, fast food restaurants. Uh, See, this was from economist uh, Zayad Daoud. And Scott Johnson, I probably butchered that guy's name. Apologies. Uh, they said that with these the the robots, you know, going forward towards manufacturing or you know their various industries, you could see as many as eight hundred million people losing employment. You know, we now, we talked is, about that. We talked about that. Massive unemployment's coming with five G. Yeah, massive unemployment's coming. Yeah, they'll be able to do with five G. You'll be able to automate more things because they'll be able to. They'll have the bandwidth to interact with one another. You know, that's we talked about it with self-driving cars. If that becomes a trend and they say, yeah, you you have to do self-driving cars because safety, you're going to see the end of things like taxis, you know, that kind of stuff, which they'll 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 try to hang on as long as they can um, because they're what, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? Honestly, I, I think the old union, I, I, I think you'll still see taxis, but it won't be. I don't think it'll be what we know as a taxi, though. You, you'll it'll still have Uber. taxi. Well, yeah, it'll be Uber, but they'll be self-driving. Like you'll still yeah. have taxis. But like you, you just won't have to drive. Be, right. Well, what I mean, it, it'll still be taxis, but it's not going to be like a conglomerate or or a large company that's going to have the the company. And I mean, you may still see those kind of things, but honestly, I think it's going to be more of a it's going to be an Uber type system or a Lyft type system to where it's a it's a uh, just your average citizen that owns a car that's a self-driving car. And they just set it up to do, um, you know, Uber routes or whatever, you know, and pick people up and and do do all that. It, it, it's very possible that'll be the future. Or for that matter, they may just abolish you, know, you being able to own a vehicle anyway, and you just have to use Uber and Lyft. And that fits in with the uh, social credit system a lot easier than you owning a product and then they, you know, barring you from it. There's some legal questions there. But these these robots, what they're talking about doing, uh, these ones, your your low skill jobs, uh, for example, uh, fast food restaurants um, or even just restaurants in general, uh, they would be able to replace cooks. Um, you would be able to also replace uh, stacking, like at a, a grocery store or something, or or warehouse or those kind of things. Yeah, you, you you'd be able to have a, a robot do that. And some of the higher skilled jobs. Um, yeah, as far as like needing some training, um, creating electronics, welding, you know, those kind of things there, you can produce machines that are far more accurate and consistent than a human being. So there are benefits to this as far as pre- precision, it would cut down on costs. Uh, but at the same time, it's um, it's pulling people out of the workforce, right? You're, you're going to have they're going to have to have another means of income. And if they're a low skilled worker, that generally means they probably don't have an education to do a higher skill task, right? Or, or have difficulty getting a hold of that education. You know, look at other countries outside of the US, for example, or outside of the West. Um, it may be a lot more difficult for them to afford going to a higher education, you know, college or whatever. So they're kind of stuck at doing these manual jobs or low wage jobs. How are we going to 
how are we going to allow them to work and have the dignity of working? Well, you, that's just it. You don't. And that, what, what I mean by that is you don't you, you don't you don't have that group of people work any longer. And and th- th- this is a this is a heavy topic to discuss. It, it is because you, you think because I mean, that that's what that's all we've known. That's all we've known. That's all we've ever known. And so when you get into the prospect of of not working, well, then what does that mean? It, it's not it's not a, a, a good thing. I mean, you turn around and you put yourself into a position where you don't have anything. Well, then what does that do? I mean, you, I suppose you could do a couple of things with it. You could take advantage of that. You, you could. Do I think the average person out there will? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is where the UBI comes in, right? Michael Bloomberg, the guy that was running for the Democratic nominee, he talked about the universal basic income. This is when he was making fun of uh, flyover country, our, our part of the country, talking about how, oh, uh, farming, oh, that's easy. You just uh, you, you dig a hole, you you put a seed in it, you put some dirt on it. Uh, no, sir, it's a little more complicated than that. But he also made mention to factory workers, right? Fabricators, metal shop workers, things like that. He said, "Well, uh, it, it was pretty easy. Anybody could do it. You you just had a lathe, you know, a metal lathe, and it had an arrow on it. That's all you needed, and anybody could do it." Well, no, sir. It was a little more complicated than that. See, this is what people that are disconnected from reality, that have more money than they do sense, think about the average person. He said on that stage the same day, I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh, well, we're going to have to offer things like a universal basic income to people. Why? Well, because if not, then the average person out there that has everything taken away from them, if you don't give them something, well, then what's that going to do? That's going to cause the people to go after the elite, isn't it? Now you see why they have to keep everybody scared to death from going outside. They're racing to get this digital system in place, this this 5G control grid in place. Why? Because they need those security measures in place to protect them from us. It's about them having the human economy stand down so they can get that system into place. They want an army of security people that won't say no. The average security person that works for some of these elite people, they hate their guts. And rightfully so. I don't blame them. Hell, I don't work security for these people and I hate their guts. Look at how they think about people. Look at what they've done. Look at these policies that are being handed down by these governments that they themselves are directing. Does that sound like a quote elite? No. That's a bunch of people that have stolen the world through fraud and are now using that fraudulent cash that they've got saved up to leverage everything else out. See, they've made theirs, right? In the crony capitalist system, they've made theirs. So now what are they doing? They're pulling that ladder up. They're done. You or I don't get a chance to operate in that system any longer. So what happens now? Oh, now they have to change the system. Why? Because the old system doesn't work. Now, see, they stole everything from the old system. So now they're going to create a new system because they know best, right? They made it to the top. They know best. Who, who better to know about the world economy than a bunch of people sitting in ivory towers, right? Well, see, they but have the know-how. Oh, yes, for our benefit. See, they, they have the know-how. You, you average person down there, you don't know what you're doing. They know what to do. And see, by them knowing what to do, they're smart enough to understand, oh, well, that old system, no, that thing doesn't work. Look what it's done. It's created all this problem. No, no. The people that caused this current situation are the ones that are sitting up there now telling us that they have to re-engineer the system based on their terms. Well, you know something? I don't want to live under those terms. Capitalism, industrialism produces. They know it produces. They know it produces. That's why they're doing everything they can now 
to, quote, hijack the fourth industrial revolution. See, they are smart enough to understand that we are on the cusp of a fourth age of expansion here in the West. No civilization in human history has ever done that. We've been able to reorganize. We had a first age of expansion. We had a second. We had a third. But see, on the third is where we went wrong. At the end of the war, the Americans should have gone home, but we didn't. We should have gone home. We could have reorganized and we could have expanded again. It could have happened 70 years ago, but it didn't. We stayed in Europe. The alternative, I mean, we were kind of in a quandary, to be fair. But the alternative would have been, I mean, we could have marched across Russia. We could have finished the job. We could have kept Mao Zedong from taking power. But the corrupt elites had it in force back then even. But we didn't go home. So now we're stuck with the fact that the United States became a universal empire. And like every empire throughout human history, they all fade away. Now, the people are still there. The descendants of those people are still there. You know, the Roman Empire, it's gone, right? But there still are Romans, but there's no trace of the civilization with the exception of, you know, a couple of, um, a couple of buildings that are left, right? See, that was the last civilization. That's what preceded us. That was classical civilization. There was something else that came along to take the place of that. That was Christianity. And the West was born out of that. See, classical civilization shattered, but it's here in the West now. It survives in what is the West, but it's it's not quite the same. It's fractured. We have a little bit, right? Mostly in Europe. I mean, you have peripherals of that. You've got spinoffs. You've got the United States. You've got Canada. You've got um, Australia, New Zealand, you know, those areas. Those are what are considered peripherals. The core of Western civilization is mainland Europe. That is the closest thing we have to classical civilization, fine arts, classical literature, things of that nature. See, it does resonate in America, but not as strongly as it does in Europe. So the question is, is if this civilization we have now, if the West, if the West becomes shattered and it collapses, what's going to emerge out of that? That's what they're trying to control. That's what the, the elites now, the corrupt elites, that's what they're trying to control. They want the age of expansion, the next age of expansion. They want to control that. They want to be able to pick the winners and losers. They said it in their own writings. Governments will be tasked to carry out certain agendas, meaning you have no choice. You have no democratic process. I don't care what country you're from. There is no more democracy under this new system that they want to be at the head of. So to answer what's going to come out of Western civilization if it falls, I would say nothing. Mm. I, what, what comes out of it will be social credit. I mean, it'll be some form of authoritarianism I mean, w w with the direction that we're heading. Um, I, I don't see anything else coming out of it, though, as far as unless there's another country that's um, adhering to these ideas that doesn't collapse when the West collapses. But if they're able to do the stuff they're wanting to do with the, the Great Reset and all that, as an example, just to kind of backtrack a little bit and go back to uh, the robots taking things over. Uh, using this as an example, you have places like the, the ones that are most at risk for machines taking things over. Japan, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia. Those are the main countries that are, according to the, these um, researchers, are most endangered for this. We're, we're talking 40 or so percent of their GDP could be controlled by machines, if you will. That's a pretty big portion of their GDP. What about those people that were holding those jobs? And uh, I, I know I mentioned low, low skill or low skill jobs. If you can set up, if your job can be set up to where it, it can be a step-by-step -step procedure, you know, if there's, if there's some way to boil it down to where it's just, you do this step, this step, this step. If you can boil that down, a machine can do it. If there's not some kind of creative 
uh, mind that that is required to produce something. I mean, even even then, they're they're using AI to produce music and art and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're they're trying to see if they can mimic what humans do. So doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, the stuff that they're trying to do, it, it could very well collapse our society. You know, let's say machines take over. What about the what about the low income people or the low skill workers? What are they going to do to get food? You, you, are you going to tax the tax the rest of us to, to pay for that? Well, we're not going to be able to afford it, taxing them like that. So w- w- what are you going to do? You're just going to have machines run everything and then we just get handouts from the government or, or some big corporation. I mean, that that's kind of the direction that things are headed. And I, I don't know, once that happens, there is no more freedom. There is no more free thinking, free willed people. You're going to do whatever the, whatever the government or the, um, whoever has the control of your food and housing and all that, whoever has control of that, you're going to do whatever the hell they want you to do. That's why they need to vertically integrate everything. That's why they're trying to do it now. I mean, I don't think largely they're going to be successful at it. I mean, I, I think that there will be a backlash at some point. I mean, it's a race now to see if you can get people awake, right? All the ones that have been in denial, right? They're, they're going to do one of two things at this point, okay? Because I, I know it's frustrating sometimes to try and sit there and try and tell people this stuff and, and have these conversations because people just don't want to hear it. They, they just don't want to hear it. So they will either get with the program and understand what's actually happening. Okay, that's that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, the people that are still on the fence and I mean, they can kind of see that something's not right, but they can't quite put their finger on it. Those types of people that refuse that say, oh, you know what? I, that's just that sounds too horrible. I just don't even want to get into it. They'll get further into the denial. They'll double down on that disbelief. They don't care. Those are the ones you can't do anything about. Yeah, it's, it's too late. If you can't convince somebody at this point, move on. That's, that's all you can do. Move on. We, we got more people to try and, and bring awareness to. We've got so little time. You know, I, I'm sitting here and, and I'm explaining to people day in and day out. It's hard to do because I've been looking at this stuff for years, right? So, I mean, nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing surprises me anymore. And so when somebody's now to the point of just now understanding things, and figuring things out, and they're able to think for themselves for the first time, they're now coming back and saying, oh my God, all this and this and this and this and this. When did all this happen? And I'm like, it's been happening. Where you been? And when they try to explain stuff to me, I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's not enough time. We're losing that time. I mean, that, we're, we're out of time for that. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and they said something about, oh, well, yeah, it's, you know, well, oh, yeah, we could do that in three to six months. I said, no, you, you're not hearing me. I said, there's not going to be three to six months. We're we're out of time. So we have to have this conversation now or we don't have it. And then you can figure it out on your own. So it's frustrating. You know, I I get it. But to your further point, I mean, what are people going to do? I think they'll take the UBI. That's the last thing they have at this moment is to buy people off. That's that's the last thing they have, because once people's jobs start disappearing, I mean, you're talking you you get down the road of 800 million unemployed. Hell, you get down the road of couple of billion people unemployed, there's going to be a lot of people that are looking for vengeance. And it's it's not going to be something that's going to go well for the elite. I Honestly, I don't think if, even if you give them a, a UBI, that's going to work. I still think people are going to 
uh, are going to get pissed off enough as it is when they have all their jobs and everything taken from them. I've been saying that for a a good number of years now. Massive unemployment is coming. When I say massive unemployment, those are the kind of numbers I'm talking about. I'm talking 800 million to 2 billion people. That's the massive unemployment. We're not talking 40 million people that are out of work because of COVID. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about billions of people losing everything they've got. That's massive unemployment. All these jobs that you're taking now that are going to be the telecommuting jobs. Oh, yeah. That's the step in phasing you out. That's not keeping you safe from a pandemic. That's not, uh, well, we're doing it to to make your life easier. No, that's a step in making you non-essential. So bringing up COVID, I'm glad you did that because... We can use that as an example. We've seen some of the data now to where they were saying people were dying. So, oh, it's so horrible. You know, these these thousands. And it is right. Thousands of people died of COVID. I get it. Right. It's bad. Millions. Um, it's millions, Bruce. 220 million, according okay. to Paul Harris. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, God, I, I hope that I, I want to know what she's smoking so I can avoid it. it it's well, terrible. She she is I, from California. I'm not downplaying it. Well, true. I'm not trying to downplay this, but. Keep in mind, there's a lot of people that committed suicide. There's a lot of abuse. There's other side effects that are coming just from this lockdown, just from the COVID lockdowns. Okay. Now imagine this on a large scale to where a bunch of people are losing their jobs. They're unable to retain their dignity. It's not just about making money to provide for your living, your housing and all that stuff. It's also about having something like dignity. It's about keeping... Uh, you know, keeping moving or doing stuff or, or that interaction with other human beings or the, you know, there's, it's just, it's part of our nature. We have to do something. We have to. So when you remove that element, suicide rate's going to go up, uh, substance abuse, just general abuse, like um, child abuse or uh, domestic violence, all these different things are going to skyrocket. And it's not just going to be in like select, like the quote unquote first world or the developed world that was doing, you know, that had these problems. It's going to be global and they're going to have to have these artificial intelligence to regulate things because uh, human beings are going to be, they're, they're, they're too problematic. They're emotional. They're unpredictable. We have to do something else, right? To to ensure that there's no bias and no no emotion in the way. So no, we we already see elements of what's going on. We see what's happening uh, in in relation to COVID. This is only going to accelerate. It's only going to be worse if you start bringing in robots to to take over people's jobs. So. And, you know, also if Joe Biden gets elected in the first 180 days, he uh, devalues the dollar, increases taxes, all that fun stuff. So I just have to throw that in there. Um, Honestly, I don't don't, don't think he'll devalue the dollar. The Fed will, because they'll go, they'll put foot, they'll put foot to the floor at that point. Well, I I say they'll devalue the dollar because of the other things that will happen. Business like the stock market is already bracing for a Biden win. The stock market will tank. Because taxes are going to go up. So what happens when taxes? I was talking about this to some uh, people, uh, you know, in my circle. If if he gets elected, he said he's going to get rid of the Trump tax cuts. But he says we're not going to raise taxes on anybody that makes less than four hundred thousand. Okay, that's fair. So we're 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 going to raise taxes on the bigger guys, the ones that have businesses and whatnot, the ones that hire you, or the ones that produce, you know, for example, Walmart or or you know one of your other. Uh, grocery stores or what have you. If they increase taxes, he's wanting to increase the corporate tax. Do you think the CEO is going to take the hit in his own paycheck, his or her own paycheck, or do you think you as the consumer is going to take the hit? Yeah, it's going to be you, the consumer. They're going to increase the price of their product, which means the tax was on you, not necessarily on the wealthy. So 
keep that in mind when you're electing someone to make the elite pay their fair share or whatever. They just burden you with the tax, not the other way around. Just uh, just an FYI, uh, I have a quick audio to uh, play here from uh, Kamala Harris. Um, we're looking at over 220 million Americans who just in the last several months died. Just just so. it, is this did like did like the coasts get hit by like some kind of like massive bomb or something? Because none of my my, my circles, I, I, I haven't had anybody die. So I, I mean, mean, if you uh, 220 million Americans just in the last few months, 220 million Americans, I think we would have noticed that. If we had two thirds of the country die, I think we would have noticed that. That's literally like you taking three friends, three of your friends, two of them died. That's literally what she said. I had to play it. We are going to have to. Yeah, I know you're shaking your head. I am too. We're going to have to jump out of here. So uh, thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. Welcome back from the weekend. I hope you had a productive couple of days off. I know you did. But for those of you who'd like to reach out to us, you can do so by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. And we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We're just trying to promote good, healthy conversation in and amongst people's circles. Because right now, (laughs) we need... We need uh, we we need all the good conversation about real issues that we can get. So if you could pass this along, that would be fantastic. We're available everywhere you get your podcast, with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.